What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, as we've been talking about the past couple weeks, we're now in the dead of the off season in this bit of no man's land between the initial rush of free agency and the start of training camp. So there's not really a whole lot that we could be talking about. John Klingberg signed with Anaheim in a very interesting one-year, $7 million deal. But we wanted to take today's episode in a little bit of a different route. One of the things that you and I like to talk about, fans in general like to talk about, are changes to the game that we could potentially then see in turn increased scoring or the excitement of the game or just really to make improvements. Now, a lot of times these rule changes we talk about are things like getting rid of the offside review or eliminating the trapezoid behind the net. But I was reading Down Goes Brown through The Athletic, his most recent mailbag, and he had brought up an interesting point that apparently there's a, a growing group of fans, of NHL fans who are a big fan of this rule, and it is abolishing offsides. Mm. specifically abolishing offsides for zone entries is what I want to talk about because I think that that's more of a practical realistic scenario that maybe someday down the line we can see in the NHL I think getting rid of offsides entirely would be exciting we could call it but I think that there's also some potential issues that could arise with that but I think the reason why I'm so intrigued by the offside zone entry rule and, and removing that is one, it would eliminate the <laughs> the need for reviewing offsides, which is, I think, just one of the dumbest rules that the NHL has added in over the past couple of years. And it, as we all know, it was added as a result as a knee jerk reaction to that Matthew Shane play with Colorado, where he was just so wildly offsides. It wasn't added after that. It was added the the So that happened. And then you're not going to believe it who got screwed over in the playoffs. And then they changed the rule. Uh-oh. Montreal Canadiens. Who would have thunk? It's well, great. People, I remember that the Shane one was way more egregious, but people don't care when or the NHL. Is well, people are and I feel like uh, then to restate, that's when the conversation really significantly started to pick up about that being an option. And while it makes sense in the sense of wanting to, you know, make sure you're getting the correct call for calls like that, for example, which if we're being honest, can totally be just chalked up to the ref completely muffing the call. In reality, I think the bigger issue here and and why this intrigues me so much are these very quick, like one split second, uh, a hair of a difference of, of the puck being in over the, or the skate being in over the puck where it just completely slows down the tempo of the game. And that's even for ones that maybe are even a little bit more obvious, we could even call it too, that maybe it's a guy who is just completely offside, no question about it, no you know, difficult call for the ref. It's, it's, it's an easy, straightforward call. I still think that there's value in getting rid of those as well. Again, specifically on zone entry. So once the puck gets into the zone, then the blue line really goes into effect for having to maintain it within the offensive zone. But I think that there are a lot of benefits to this, Taylor, Um, just to go through, you know, I I think it makes the game more exciting. As we're saying there, it takes out the takes out whistles from the game. So it keeps the game flowing really well. I think in a way, too, it also will make zone entries a lot easier for teams. So we would start to see less dump and chase too. more guys carrying the puck in over the ice without having to necessarily worry about, you know, the other guys on the blue line waiting up. And then that also opens up those guys who are without the puck then to maybe get a little bit more creative to get an extra step and make the defenseman have to play a little bit 
more safe, I guess, uh, you know, and play along with wherever they may move along the blue line or moving into the offensive zone a little bit beforehand. So I, I think that there's a lot of merit to it. Now I know a lot of people would say like, Oh, well, what is, you know, is that that drastic of a change? And I don't necessarily think so due to the way that defensive structures are right now on teams and that they would be able to adapt for something like this. I think overall the benefits of this outweigh whatever cons they may be, but I'm kind of just curious your thoughts on this. Like, do you think that this is something that the NHL should consider? Is it a good idea or is it more so a a pointless rule, like potential rule change that really wouldn't do a whole lot? I think it's definitely worth considering. Like I, I agree. I wouldn't do a full like offsize one, although I think that could be interesting, but I'm interested in them trying it out. Maybe like, you know, I don't, I don't know if they actually have the power to do it in the ECHL, but like to try it out the AHL level and see what happens, you know, like on a temporary basis, or maybe just try it for a preseason one year and see it, see what that's like. I think, yeah, the zone entry part is the most interesting because I think there's such a, like an untapped potential there with how exciting zone entries could be and, and getting back to a point where people actually score on them instead of having to wait forever for a rebound. I mean, we're getting better with that, and, but it's, it's still not where it used to be, which was pretty exciting. Like you never knew when someone could score on his own entry. Um, but yeah, it is really an interesting idea, I think. Uh, and like you said, the biggest benefit, getting rid of offside review. I think offside review is terrible. It, it added a thing to hockey that's been added to all sports, which is your team scored and you're not immediately sure if they actually scored which happens in the NFL. I'm instinctively, I always look for flags. I guess that's a Bills fan thing. Uh, And then now even soccer with VAR, that's gotten uh, pretty annoying. So it would be really cool to to get rid of that part. And then, yeah, I think it really opens up the offensive side of the game. Now it seems like a lot of coaches in the NHL for the past quarter century or so been pretty defensive minded, but that could be changing. I think scoring going up this year and, and Colorado had a great defense, but they didn't necessarily play super conservative. So I think that's a, it's worth a shot for that. Now, as far as fully removing it, I think that's, it's an interesting idea, but I feel like that's the almost like, don't even ask. It's never happening right. kind of a thing. Like, it's like, yeah, you could have a guy down there goal hanging for like the entire game, but that's not great for your defense. It's like basically it's giving the other team a power, power play. play. Right. Yeah. It's extended power play then. That's, that's kind of what my thinking is behind it, you know? And I think that again, I, all of this goes back to teams would adjust accordingly to it. This is obviously a much less drastic of a change, I guess, but how about this? Let me throw this idea at you. What about the opposite, I guess, in a way where then, and this might be galaxy braining it too much, but what if there are like offsides on zone entries, but once the puck is in the zone, rather than having to tag up when it goes outside the blue line, what if it has to go beyond center ice and you just give a little bit more room then? That's a, that's worth an idea. It is interesting that there is still a red line at center ice. I mean, mm-hmm. it, is it basically just there so you know where center ice is? I know yeah. you don't really need it. You re- no, not necessarily. You you don't. That's true. Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's two line passes anymore. Right, right. Which is always an insane rule. So let me ask you this: What do you? So you would be in favor of them? I guess we'll call it reimagining offsides. Yeah. So I guess to that point, what would you say is 
the most effective, and this might be a tough question just to answer on the spot, but what do you think is the most effective rule change that the NHL could make right now that would most positively impact the game? Smaller goalie pads. Ooh. Yeah. Guys are too big. Remember that picture last year of Vasilevsky? Yeah. It's like a transformer. That's not good. And it's, it's, I think the idea is that it is completely for protection is like, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. And goalies don't want it, but like tough shit. Like you're making the game way less watchable. I refuse to believe at this point, the league that has much money as the NHL and with the way technology has gone in recent years, that there isn't a way to keep goalies safe while also not having like just stupid, like huge, gigantic equipment. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it would, you could, it, it goes back to what I said earlier. It makes plays more interesting. The reason you know guys aren't scoring on certain plays is because goalies are too good. Change that. You can change it. How often do you see a guy just skate in the zone, slap the puck, and score? Never. Not very often. <laughs> yeah, that used to be a real thing that could happen in hockey, but if the puck's not moving side to side, goalies are, like, too good. Well, and also, but part of that is because how goddamn big their equipment is. Well, right. And if you have like the graph where it's like the X axis is uh, the size of goalie pads and the Y axis is the skill of goalie pads over time, it would just consistently go up for yeah. both of them. You know, like goalies now are so much. I mean, even if you want to go to like the, like a random goalie, like the average NHL goaltender, you know, like compare, I mean, this pat, these past 10 years to the 10 years prior to the nineties to the eight. I mean, obviously once you get into the eighties and seventies, it's laughable. The, the skill level of goaltending compared to today and how good guys are, but even in the nineties, I mean, you have some of those all timers like Hashik, Belfour, Patrick Waugh, uh, Brodeur, you know, really really all-time greats there but those guys were outliers as compared to what the rest of the league was like and I guess just what I'm getting at is that the the skill of the average goalie right now we'll call it even like the skill of like a low-end starter now is much greater than what it was in years past when scoring was a lot higher and so that's definitely something I think very interesting to to consider with that yeah definitely I and I, it didn't occur to me until recently that goalie helmets are the reason the butterfly style ever became possible. Masks and helmets, like mm-hmm. you wouldn't, I guess you wouldn't be going down that much if you didn't have anything protecting your face. Uh, but yeah, got got me thinking of it for a very uh, smart and normal reason. Uh, I was, uh, well, I was thinking about the Friday the Thirteenth movie and how there's a picture, like a, a billboard. Uh, in, in that's Jason takes Manhattan, by the way, if you guys haven't seen that one, uh, he comes to man, quote unquote, heavy air quotes here, listeners, Manhattan, not just Vancouver. Uh, and he gets there and there's a billboard for, it's supposed to be for the NHL. And there's like a Jason mask basically on it. There's a funny moment where Jason looks at it and then looks at the camera to be like, you believe this shit? What's my mask doing up there? But it's like in 1989, people didn't wear Jason goalie masks anymore. Like at all. They were actual masks right not it was different by that point and then like the early 90s when you start to get the helmets so like around that time there's some guys that are actually wearing helmets there's guys that are wearing like the mask that goes around no one's wearing that like flat mask anymore maybe the early 80s when it was a new series but ridiculous come on Mm -hmm. jason takes manhattan next you're gonna tell me that toxic sludge doesn't actually come through the sewer every night 
Wait, it doesn't? I guess, you know, maybe not. Oh my God. My life is a lie. Yeah, I don't know. What a stupid movie. So let me throw a rule change at you that I think would be maybe the most effective one. And it's not an on ice one. I, oh, I, I can guess what it is. What? When there's a bad movie, I get to redirect it with the same budget or more. Yup. That's exactly. What I, I was going to say with a greater budget, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And this would drastically improve the NHL. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> It's because I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna remake Sudden Death, but I'm gonna go back in time to do it, and I'm just gonna pay Bruce Willis whatever he wants, so we don't have to watch Jean Claude Van Damme pretend to act. <laughs> You'll be doing the world a real service there, Taylor. Thank you. No, I was going to say switching to the three, two, one point system. That yeah, I agree. Actually, I think it makes it makes more sense, and in this case, you're doing two points for an overtime win. Or two points mm-hmm. for a shootout. So wait, or three points for an overtime win, two points for a shootout win. No, it's it's three points for a regulation win. Oh. Two points for an OT win, and then an OT loss is one point. So even if you win an overtime or the shootout, you still get two points. It's really to increase the, the value of a regulation win, because how often do we see at the end of games if – it's the last 30 or so seconds of a game times winding down and teams get really conservative and they don't try and move the puck. And then the other team doesn't really try to go after it because they both want to get a point. Yeah. You know, I think that True. adding bit, a, a bit more stakes for regulation wins would go a long way and would also just make the regular season a little bit more exciting too. So I, uh, that's a good idea. I would not get rid of the shootout, but here's what I would do. This three-on-three overtime is 10 minutes now, two five-minute sessions. Shouldn't be mm-hmm. that much to add. I don't think players would get too up in arms about that. No. Uh, but what you do is so that for, for starters, that should really just cut in more than half. Like at that point with that long of three-on-three, there's got to be a mistake. Someone's got to score. You're not. You're going to barely see any shootouts. Right. But also, if there's a penalty, it's a three-on-two. It's so stupid that it's three-on-three until there's a penalty, and then it's four-on-three ridiculous three Mm -hmm. on two agreed agreed i got a couple other rule changes too that i want to throw at you yeah one i just thought of which not to get fixated on the offside thing but what if when you had a power play there was no offsides at all uh for the two minutes hmm. that you are on the power play there is no offsides that's interesting and then The other one, which is a little bit more simple, though, that I think would be kind of interesting is on icing calls, the offensive zone team gets to pick which side of the ice the faceoff comes on. That, I like that, too. Isn't that kind of cool? I feel like that would be really interesting. Did you come up with that? I was just reading through some other ideas that I saw people had when I was just looking up, like, potential rule changes, and that was one that I think that it jumped out at me at least I no, I'm not the first person to ever consider that idea as if that's what you're asking. Well, I was going to give you a compliment, but it's no. good to be able to be good at reading too. You know, reading comprehension is, is not a straight of mine, not a good skill set, but it worked this time. So we'll take it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> How about you? Any other rule changes you can think of? Hmm. Not really. I guess I'm really, 
mine were more uh, off ice, not off yeah. ice, but like not game related. Right. But yeah, I really do think just switching overtime to be a little bit longer. I, I think it just eliminates the shootout and people don't really want the shootout. The shootout's there because no one wanted ties, which I don't want either, but it's skill competition. Mm-hmm. It's not a great way to end games. Well, it's just I don't like, like it in soccer either, but there's no real way around it there. Let me give you two options here. Would you rather have your proposed plan, which would be the two three on three overtime periods followed by the shootout? which I think would be great. I agree with you that I think there would be a slip up at some point. And also it would be a benefit too, because I think making the shootout less common, I think will change people's opinions on it. Like if it's a little bit more rare, maybe that yeah. helps. With it. But would you take that or would you take continuous four on four overtime? Uh, no, people aren't going to go for the continuous overtime players. I mean, I'm sad. Well, that we're not, we're not pulling players right now. <laughs> well, I think you got to be realistic about what you can do, though. Otherwise, I would just go, you know, regular over time as long as it takes five on five. But I wouldn't want to do five. I feel like four on four would be a good in between because you get to still have the opened up ice, but it's not as chaotic. I guess we could call it as three on three. Yeah. I do still enjoy three on three, though. I know a lot of people have been souring on it over the past couple of years. I think to an extent, I guess I agree that like the luster is gone a bit, but it is still so damn exciting. And I think that the moments that come from that pretty special stuff. True. I I'm, I'm very in favor of three on three. I think it's added a lot and with the four on four overtime is fine, but this just, I don't know, just relentless uh, offensive pressure in the situation, not guys getting down on the neutral zone at all, which is good. I agree. It's it's just fun having the game move at that kind of a pace, you know? Yeah, true. But again, the the fall off of going from that high skill, high speed style of game to then just slowing it down to the, I guess, intended suspense of a shootout. It's a tough transition. Yeah, not my favorite. No. But anyway, before we get to anything else, let's hear a word from our sponsors at DraftKings. Um, you know what? We might have a new ad, actually. I better check on that. I will be damned. Wow. Well, let me check on it to make sure we actually do. Yep. Uh, because. I'll tell you what. I'm really excited for your betting advice today. Your your new episode episode betting advice that you give. Yeah. Have I been uh, right yet? Part of the ad where I tell you guys something that I think you should bet on. We got you know to keep track of your bets. Yeah. I, I'd rather not. <laughs> you know what? We. Do not have a new one, it doesn't seem like. But hold on, let me make sure. Lovely. Well, the dates the dates on it are, uh, let's see. June 28th, the TBD? No, that can't be right. Oh, maybe it is. Hmm. Oh, it's the same one. Never mind. All right, we'll just start over with it then, I guess. All right. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make sure you're for, make your first bet 
up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down in all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. So this is when I talk about the, uh, the bet that I like. And this is a future bet. So today, the England women won the 2022 Euros, which, you know, it's it's a pretty impressive thing to win, and their men have never won it. So that's good for them. But what I'm going to tell you is future bet, World Cup next year, bet on the U.S. to three-peat. Ooh. Because there's st- I know, like, it's harder to win the European competition, but God, dominant here on this side of the continent, or this side of the world, I should say, dominant in this hemisphere so i know england good for them they won euros they finally won something in soccer congratulations our time again mm. next year just about a year from now actually should be finishing up i'm pretty sure really? be done actually mm, earlier less than a year from now how are you feeling about the men's team well better than i felt four years ago but pretty that's annoyed something. honestly i'm not happy that it's in november i think that sucks mm-hmm but it's going to offer up a great sports weekend, uh, the Thanksgiving weekend with Sabres hosting the Blues, the Bills traveling to Detroit, and then the, the Black Friday men versus England game. Uh, all right, so wow. best of all, draft, what's that? No, I was just going to say, wow, it's crazy that it's going to be a Stanley Cup and Super Bowl preview that weekend. <laughs> yeah, we're going to play Detroit in the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> awesome crazy good for dan campbell i'm so happy <laughs> I was gonna say man dan campbell's ready to throw down wild all right best of all DraftKings is safe secure and reliable you can deposit withdraw your cash whenever you want so download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code thpn make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars that's promo code thpn at DraftKings sportsbook minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details and responsible gambling resources and we're back. Wow. You know Detroit's never been to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First time for everything, I guess. Listen, Dan Campbell is going to be the one to lead him there. He seems like a good guy. I don't know what he is as a coach, but I don't. I wouldn't mind rooting for the guy, but. Yeah. Where are they really? I mean, no one expects him to be that good this year, but. I would love to play Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I've seen Jared Goff play in the Super Bowl, and I have to agree. Sure. <laughs> that's what i'm saying good track record, you know <laughs> yeah seriously i'm losing to another afc east team in the super bowl i think i think i would really like to to see this happen yeah well do you have anything else you'd like to talk about taylor bill russell died r.i.p to bill russell Celtics yeah. and nba and sports legend north american sports legend yeah and michelle nichols died today too actually uh, I don't know if you know who she is, but she's uh, she's on Star Trek. I believe her and Lou Shatner had the first interracial kiss in the history of TV. Get out. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've never watched the original Star Trek, so I don't know what her name was in the show. But hmm. uh, yeah, Bill Russell. So really uh, <laughs> pretty wild. 11 championships. Uh, I know we know who has the most Super Bowls, and I'm not going to bring them up. No. But it's crazy. Like the, the, the collection of guys – you know, like Bill Russell has 11 championships. I believe so does Andre Richard. And then Yogi Berra has 10 as a player, 10 World Series. He actually has more as a co- coach and manager. But really, a really impressive guy, Bill Russell. Mm. If you read anything of the threads about him. So on one hand, everyone, he's 
I don't know if I want to say underrated. I think people get it with the 11 championships, but there's a really great case people have made in the past that he's actually a better player than Wilt. You can't just look at the numbers and prove that because Wilt averaged like 50 points a game one season. Most seasons was in the 30s or 40s. Averaged like 25 rebounds a game for his career. He's unbelievable. But you know why he didn't win very much? Because Bill Russell stopped him. He was like, the best defensive player in the world. He could rebound and he didn't have to take a bunch of shots. He's a little bit like Tim Duncan, but Tim Duncan probably scored more, I'm guessing, without looking at it. Yeah. And that is just like, you have to really watch him to see how dominant he is. Of course, I don't remember watching Bill Russell. He retired when my parents were toddlers. But yeah, really unbelievable guy. And then, you know, it's he has a really easy to say complicated relationship uh, with the NBA. So first of all, the NBA was not that big of a league when he was dominating. There was eight teams, and then by the end of his career, there was like 10. And I think like the last year they won a championship, there was like 12. But there's that, that part of it. It wasn't all that popular. And then, well, a couple other things. First of all, he was one of the uh, – he was the first black coach in North American sports to win a championship. He might have been just the black first black coach overall. He's a player coach in mm. the last two seasons of their, uh, their dynasty. And then I think I, there's a, a story where he didn't actually even realize he was the first black coach. And he's like, I wouldn't have done it if, if they framed it to me that way, if Red Hour back framed it that way. But yeah, he also, uh, to put it lightly, dealt with a lot of bullshit in Boston with racism. Yep. His stories about him moving into a white neighborhood and then immediately having his house vandalized and crazy stuff, crazy stuff. He never, he doesn't, doesn't even really seem to appreciate having played there. You know, he won, no one's won more rings in Boston than Bill Russell, but it was not like it is now with the Celtics. It's not like it was in the eighties either. Like people did not care and worse than not caring. They hated the guy. Uh, so that was, so that's obviously terrible, but he handled it very well. He's an important civil rights icon. You can read about, about all the stuff he's done in his life, but it is um, kind of sad. We're losing out. There's every year, there's fewer and fewer people who were around that time that like, just by playing a sport, they were doing something, you know, taking a stand and in, in that era, so like Kareem is obviously still alive. We love Kareem here on this podcast, but like the, mm-hmm. the number of guys from that era is dwindling. It's pretty sad. True. Very true. It really is. Yeah. I mean, just so many of the most dominant players that the league has ever seen most winning players. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's really amazing about Bill Russell, as you alluded to, there is just his impact and his reach extends far beyond just on the basketball court. Yeah. So I'm looking right now at this because I'm trying to make sure I get the, the name of the uh, author right. Uh, so Tommy Heinsohn, who also is no longer with us, he was a Celtics player, then coach, then longtime announcer. Uh, he died two years ago. Yeah, so he was, say, for 64 years, he was a player, coach, and broadcaster. That's wild. But he played with Bill Russell uh, through that time. And in Sports Illustrated in 1999, there was an interesting story about like Bill Russell, his relationship with Boston, like that's part of the piece. And it, it's Bill Russell getting older in the late nineties. Frank DeFord's the guy that wrote it. Unfortunately, Frank DeFord is also dead. Um, and so Tommy Heinsohn was being asked like why Bill Russell has kind of a frosty relationship with Boston. He says, look, all I know is the guy won two NCAA championships, 50 some college games in a row the 56 Olympics, then came to Boston and won 11 championships in 13 years and they named the fucking tunnel after Ted Williams. Mm. (laughs) Great quote, Mm. Tommy. That is a really good quote, Dan. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Bill Russell, man. RIP. Absolute yeah. legend in every sense of the word. Uh, do you have any recommendations for the people? Oh, I was talking. Yeah, actually. So I had briefly mentioned it. We had to have, wrap up quickly last week, but I just caught up on the show, The Boys, which the is boys. a prime show. Yes, The Boys. I caught up with The Boys this weekend, too. That's great. Not the same boys, but. Well, still counts on the last. Taylor, you should watch this show. You would definitely like it. It is. Very, I mean, it's uh, for those of you who don't know, it's essentially if Marvel movies were realistic to today's world, aka if superheroes were run by an extremely large, powerful corporation, and instead of being goodwilled people who just want to do right by the world and protect people, it is by and large the biggest group of assholes that the world has ever seen and it's crazy the way that they interweave a lot of like social commentary into it just in terms of like there's a lot of correlation between the supporters of uh the most of like homelander is like the main villain but he's like the big superhero who's like the leader of like the seven which is like the seven is the, the the seven big superheroes who are like the protectors of the country and this Homelander dude is straight up like a white nationalist. And the way that they just depict his fans as compared to like the current state of like the right in this country is pretty spot on, honestly. But anyways, though, I just caught up on it and it is great. Like the, it's the, the social commentary is great. It's very violent and, and gory and graphic and, and just like a lot of fun, great jokes, great humor. The character building has been really great throughout the three seasons. The storyline and the plot just continues to get more and more interesting. There were some questions that I had about the season three finale that I won't get into in case anybody's watching and trying to catch up right now. Just some things that I was kind of like, I don't know if that should have happened like that. But regardless of that, it's a really fun watch. The episodes are all about an hour a piece long. So it's a bit of a commitment, but there's only three seasons. So you can rip through it relatively quickly if you're committed to it. So if you're into superhero stuff, that's really fun. And like, like I said, like think Deadpool, but just more violent and maybe realistic to like today's society rather than just like the civilians in these movies who are just like people in the background. Like they talk a lot about how it's all pretty much based on how just like the general public views the superheroes and their favorability ratings and stuff like that. It's it's really interesting. Yeah. It's terrible. There's like no, really there's, there's no actually good people. It's a, it's kind of like a bunch of anti-heroes, I guess, if I'm being completely honest. Hmm. Yeah, the guy from Scream is in it, as I understand. Which Jack one? Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, Dennis Quaid's son. Uh, he's great in Scream, so... There you go. You check See? that out. You should check it uh, out. So I was, I saw two movies since the last time we talked, and I don't really want to recommend either of them. Okay, we're honest. The, the Gray Man and Spiderhead. I, I wanted to watch The one. Gray Man. You didn't like it? Yeah, more like the friggin' Poop Man really uh, yeah you know what the problem is <laughs> it costs 200 million dollars to make and it's getting a sequel pretty wild uh i if i had to recommend one i would recommend spiderhead which is joseph kaczynski who also directed top gun good summer for him mm. and that has our, our good pal chris hemsworth in it although it's really more miles teller as a star i would say and then 
the uh the gray man god it wasn't terrible but like what a disappointment you tell me there's a movie with evil chris evans ryan gosling's back he hasn't been in a movie in years i'm in anna darmus is in it i love her mm-hmm. should have been great really oh, really not and so spiderhead though that i do remember that like seeing the previews for that where it's like they do like the testing on people right yep and, tr- and it was okay oh it was okay it was okay if i had to recommend one i would be that i look at all the reviews for spiderhead it's not super well reviewed but i think that's because it's based on a book and people thought it wasn't true to that but i didn't uh, read that book so i don't really care <laughs> interesting uh, yeah now the gray man man what a disappointment 200 million dollars i'm gonna watch that i'll have to report back that is a big disappointment those are chris evans and ryan gosling man that's a that's a top tier combo right there yeah seriously gosling's not bad in it though i mean he's he's gosling he's a very charming guy to be around i don't know it looked like shit i don't know what the deal is with movies these days that are super expensive why they all look like that the russos man so i didn't see the movie they made last year but it's like a lot of people called it the worst movie of the year last year tom holland one it's called cherry i believe yeah that's with tom holland i think yeah people said it was like the worst movie of the year did not see it uh this one not a huge fan so guys taking multiple l's right now Oof. need to get back after it they're riding on that avengers money right now i mean yeah because they use some of their own money to produce everything everywhere all at once but i don't know how much creative oh dude i need to watch that i actually totally got in like a very long conversation out at a bar this weekend about that movie and about how badly i want to see it it's they're doing a new uh run so it's back in theaters is it really oh i'm gonna have to check that out i was even saying just for like tonight if i could find it online somewhere hmm i don't know if you can just because it's still like out there it has such a long tail people have been seeing it for like literally months i wonder if probably I see it again it in on, theaters. if i could like buy it on my playstation like rent it that's possible yeah i'll have to take a look and see all right Taylor. i will say it's kind of worth seeing in theaters it's a visually uh stunning wild movie yeah that's really cool. Um, all right, Taylor, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share with the folks before we sign off? Do you have a random former saber of the episode? Yeah, I will go with Michael Grosick. Uh, I'll go with Dave Snuggerud. Ooh, there we go. Okay. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently listening to this episode on. Make sure you're checking out all of our fellow episodes and make sure you are reviewing and giving us a nice little five-star rating if you're enjoying this. But along with that, make sure you're also following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Straight up Sabres. And last but not least, as Taylor had said before, head over to DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals at checkout. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sabres.